Partners, we are a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering personal success in the hospitality industry. And I am delighted to have me join me today, Stacey Shoemaker Round, the SVP of Design Group at Emerald and the editor in chief for hospitality design. Stacey, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Such an honor. For those who are not familiar with Stacy and her background, I'd encourage you to go over to our website or look her up on LinkedIn because we are otherwise going to jump right in. So Stacy, those who listen to the show know that the reason I love the hospitality industry is that everybody's path to leadership can be very different. There's not one unique path we have to chart. So tell us a little bit about you and your path to where you got to today. Yeah, um, I was one of those kids that always knew what she wanted to be. And I always knew I wanted to be a journalist, almost to a point of annoyance. I was on the yearbook. I wrote a local column for the, I wrote a column for the local newspaper. I, my parents were like, you should be a doctor or lawyer and actually make money. And I was like, here's the Medill School of Journalism, the only place I want to go. And so at Northwestern, so I got in, I don't know how still, but I got in and did my undergrad in journalism and then did my master's in journalism. And I actually did my internship. So during Medill, you have to do an internship. And my internship was in outside of Chicago at a magazine called Chain Leader. I don't know if it's still around, but it was for, it spoke to the leaders of chain restaurants. So that was like my first, like, bit of B2B and somewhat in hospitality. I waitressed my whole life. I waitressed after college. So I always had a love for restaurants and how they worked and how they functioned and always trying to make it better. So working at Chain Leader was was awesome for me. And then I got my master's in journalism. And I, but I was going to be Marie Brenner of Vanity Fair. I was going to be an investigative reporter. And that's what I wanted to be. And I actually was on, after I graduated, I was on a train to New York to interview at time on 9-11. And lo and behold, I did not make it into the city. We got taken off the train at Newark and then fully evacuated out. And the rest is history. Unfortunately, that happened and New York went through what it went through. I ended up getting, which was a terrible time. I don't mean to lighten that at all. And I still remember watching it from home in New Jersey because I was living with my parents because I didn't have a job and just being horrified and felt useless sitting there. So I ended up getting an internship at, at Condé Nast and I worked uh, at Vogue and I was the assistant to the assistant fashion director at the time. And my entire job was to watch a phone. And if it rang and if it rang more than three times and I didn't pick up, I got basically yelled at. So um, that was what I did, but I did get to play in the closet. I did get to talk to a lot of great writers and editors who were on that staff. And, but I realized fashion was not for me. I was wearing my little nine West shoes and shopped at banana. Uh, so it was not where I should be in life. So I applied out, tried to get another job. I ended up at a company. I ended up at uh, Meredith working at traditional home magazine and I was actually the liaison between the many, the sponsors and the designers for the show house tours. So I got a little bit of the design bug there, but I was really on the marketing side. I'm stuffing bags, getting everything ready, whatever they needed me to do. And a job opened up at my then, the company that then, uh, what our company was called. We've gone through many iterations, the parent company of hospitality design. And it was for a meeting news mag magazine. It was a weekly I didn't want to write for a weekly. I knew my bandwidth and my personality. And so I said, no, thank you to that job. But they kept my resume on top. And my 
former editor, Michael Adams at Hospitality Design, also went to Northwestern. So he pulled my, my resume off the top of all the resumes and I interviewed, got the job, was a little associate editor. And my job, my first job was to like, basically they're like, we know the veterans in the industry go out and find the younger designers. And so that's all I did was I tried to find new designers to feature, learn the industry. I had some great first interviews with the late Eric Engstrom, who basically talked me through all the facets of hospitality and everything I needed to know. I remember one of my early interviews with the uh, Forrest Perkins, they did the same thing. So really just, I just asked all the questions and just wanted to know everything I could. I, and I've never left. <laughs> I kind of joked that they can't get rid of me. I kept moving up the ladder. I was able, I was given the the room to play and figure out things. And I will always be forever indebted to Michael Adams for teaching me all that he did and allowing me the freedom to carve my own niche in this industry and really have a place in it. I, when I was interviewing the younger designers, I was like, what else can we do for you? And they're like, we can't always go at that time. We only had our summit, which was our think tank and HD expo, which is our large trade show in Vegas. And they're like, we can't always, we're not old and we're not veteran enough to go to summit. And we can't always go to HD expo every year. Like, it'd be great if there's more regional net, like more things in our city to do. And so we launched, so I launched city scene events, which are regional networking events. Our first one was in New York. We had corporate, we had three credit cards between two sponsors and us that we just threw down. We invited <laughs> 70 people, 70 people showed up, which in the event business never happened. So we're like, there's something here. And so that one has now grown to seven. New York now has 300 people show up. So that's been really exciting. That's allowed us to really meet the people in the industry, which is what I truly love. We summit was our, for our, it's our think tank for veterans in the industry. I helped launch next gen forum, which is basically summit for the next generation. We launched our own awards program. We've done so much. And so it's just been amazing. It's been an industry that I've never wanted to leave. And so I think that's why 20 some years later, I'm still here. So that's what well, <laughs> no, you mentioned so many interesting things in there. One is never pivoting away from journalism because we actually don't hear that a lot. We hear yeah. people take very um, angular routes to getting where they are, but also staying with one company for a long time, although maybe through many iterations. I'm curious as far as your skill set goes, if you are um, trained through Northwestern's programs on journalism, you go into print journalism, but print journalism has changed a lot over the years. There's so many video components. Now, as you mentioned, you are now also a conference host. You are a frequent speaker. Did there come a time when you're like, there are definitely some new skills that I maybe haven't mastered yet that I'm going to need to learn or teach myself to really keep adapting to how this role is evolving? And if so, how did you set out to do that? Yes, for sure. Our website, when I started, was we just, it was a dumping ground for things that we didn't want to put in the magazine, to be honest. And that's now we were digital first and we're still a print magazine and we all love the feel and the layout process and all that. Don't get me wrong, but we also do think digitally first. And so we had to learn, I had to learn all those tools, how to do newsletters. Luckily, our company gave us many resources to do that. But I also took some online courses on my own and just learned how to do it and paid out of pocket because it was important to me to figure out. Speaking, yes, they were like, will you, I think it was my second year, they're like, we'd run a panel. I'm like, 
okay, never done that before. <laughs> My debate self from high school was coming back out. I would practice a lot. I know I say this now, like to, when I talk to younger people in the industry, I say, go learn how to be a public speaker, go do it. Because if you're doing a pitch, if you're trying, if you're doing pitch to a client, if you have to make a presentation, if it's just good to have that in your toolbox, to be able to speak confidently and effectively. Cause I think that's really, really the, the most important part is how to not be the loudest person in the room, but to be the most effective person in a room. And I think that's a lost, a lost art in some ways today with all our zoom calls and everything else we have to do. <laughs> but yeah, so I would, my husband listened to me, ask questions. I would practice a lot with online or just in a mirror. But I, I was lucky enough that with panels, I love conversations and I just took it as we're always asking questions as journalists. So it's just a live interview, right? So it's just me up there asking, asking questions and talking to people about what they know and what they love and how do you pull that out from them? I really like too what you said. I've mentioned this a lot to people is public speaking isn't just standing in front of a room of 5,000 people at a conference. It can be right seeking new business can be talking to your management team presenting to a board or even talking to your family or at a community event there are so many different ways and i love hearing about the practicing i've heard from a lot of print journalists that one of the reasons i picked print was so that i never had to be the face of anything yeah and no that's the hard thing like we when we hire it's not and i think that's why i stayed you at like staying at a company for 20 some years i think if i was only behind a mat only behind the pages if you will and I was never out front. I was never help, help, helping to build a community. I think maybe I would have pivoted and gone somewhere else. But I think this role and what we do at HD is very different than a straight magazine, right? We we host conferences, we host events, we are out there. And so it's hard though to, we have an amazing team, but it is hard to hire for this role from hiring a, a straight journalist. Because to your point, a lot of people that are journalists just want to write. Like that's all they want to do. And I'm like, that's not this job. We're all out. We're stuffing bags. We're at events where it's like all hands on deck because we have a pretty small but mighty team. That's incredible. I always love sharing with people why I have asked someone to be a guest advisor. And you and I have had, or for me, it's been the privilege. I was going to say, you and I have had the privilege of partnering on many things. We've been at a lot of the same conferences together. And you are always juggling a million balls in the air. But to me, at least, you always seem to have it under control. So I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you, do you always have it under control? Is that a superpower of yours? And then I really want to pivot into overcoming obstacles because in your path to leadership, as with the current roles you have, whether it's at a conference, a print deadline, you're always going to face challenges. So how do you approach those challenges and what process do you use to get through them? I don't always have it under control. I have three children and a very big workload and we just renovated a house, which was not the best idea, but we did it. So yes, I try to keep it under control. I have an amazing husband and an amazing nanny that help me day to day. But I think what I've learned lately as I get older is that the power of no and there's the power of yes, but then there's the power of no. And just knowing that like when too much is too much, I am an extreme extrovert. I love being with people. I almost to a fault. I have, if you ask everyone, I have severe FOMO, but I've learned lately just it's okay. It's okay not to be at everything. It's okay to not take on an extra thing. 
it's okay to prioritize yourself. And I think that has been the hardest lesson to learn, but the best lesson that I've learned over the last, call it two years. And I think that was in part, it sounds cliche, but it was in part because of COVID. Like I didn't travel. I was with my children, wanted to cry. <laughs> so it's like homeschooling, pivoting HD expo and conference to hundred speakers online within six weeks. It wasn't relaxing, but just being able to be in one place and being okay with that and being okay with yourself as scary as a time as it was and as challenging, I think that really made me reset and realize that I'm a better person if I work out, make that time. I'm a better person if I see friends once a week, make that time. Like I'm okay letting my kids seeing as it's a fine line that I want to be with my kids as much as I can be, but getting rid of that guilt and allowing yourself to have your own time. So I think that's been one of the ways I've overcome uh, obstacles. I think the other thing is, again, sounds cliche, but surround yourself with people that help you do you better from friends to industry friends to personal friends, which are one and the same for me in many regards. And also at work, my team is amazing. They, they take on so much. They, you know, I couldn't do HD without them. And I think we've all, we, we all know our roles and responsibilities and we step in when we need each other. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know. That's, did I answer your question? (laughs) Absolutely. I actually want to follow up on a couple of those things because you touched on some great things that help you overcome obstacles. But let's talk about relationship building and networking for a second. You mentioned you're an extrovert. You have an enormous professional network because of the conferences, because of the publications, your length of time in the career, your personality. But we all build our networks differently. My personality might be very different from yours, but we might end up with similar networks. How do you think either being an extrovert has helped you with that? Or how have you tailored your personality to really help you build genuine relationships? Yeah, a lot of people and I'm very open. My Instagram is all my family. I'm very, I do podcasts, I'm on film. So I think a lot of people know me. And so what I try to do is always ask something about them. Like I try not to keep it superficial. Like I, oh, it's great to talk business and what are you working on? But I'm like, how are you? What are you up to? What's something just really going one past that level and really understanding who people are. Cause I don't know, I'm also a journalist. I love asking questions and I might ask too much. I might be too open on my my (laughs) end, but I do. I think that's part of it is like really trying to connect with people on a different level than just business. But I will say on the flip side, I do think women in general, and I know this is probably a very big generalization, so don't hate me for saying this, but I feel like we talk about kids and family and like what's happening and what we did last week. But I also want women to know to ask questions about business to other women, because I think that's also what, and men, and just ask questions about business, because I think that's really important. And that's helped me as I've grown, because I didn't know I didn't know design. I didn't know, I knew some about hospitality. I had to learn. And so I think just asking those questions and really ask business advice, ask how they got there, ask, ask their secret to success. Like what have they done? Because I think that teaches you so much and you never know that little nugget that you get and you're like, oh, I can do that. Or, oh, I should do that. Or, oh, that's interesting. Why did you do that? So I think that's part of what I've tried to do through relationships is not only get to know them personal personally, but also then 
dig a little bit about like how they got where they were, which is why I love that you're doing this, this series, because <laughs> I think it's really important. And I think that's really interesting because nowadays you, people seem to want to help each other. People yeah. seem to want to provide um, guidance. So really taking that step and asking is such a great thought. Um, let me go back to, you mentioned a minute ago, exercising and part of perhaps new in the pandemic, perhaps not, but there's certainly a greater focus nowadays on self-care and wellness. Do you think that's something you've been committed to your whole career? Has there been a pivot somewhere in there for you? Yeah, so I was pretty active as a kid. I played tennis in high school to my mom's <laughs> to my mom's despair. I was supposed to play in college and decided to go to school for school. Uh, I was not good enough for Northwestern's team, so that wasn't even <laughs> an option. But and my, my mom ran a tennis club so I could play more tennis. So I, I've always been an active person. And through my master's program, the only way I survived that program, which is an amazing program at Medill, but it's intense, was running. And so I ran along Lakeshore Drive almost daily, sometimes late at night because that's the only time. So yes, so that's always been part of it. And I think when I moved to New York and I was working a lot of hours, that kind of went away a little bit. And then you have children and then you don't have all the time. And like how do you, I would only get certain hours with my kids during the day. So I wouldn't want to go work out. But then I have to credit my husband because he was the one who gave me the space and the time when he's, I got him or I got them, depending on which year it was, go work out. And I think that helped a lot. He does marathons and triathlons and Ironmans and stuff. So it's definitely been something that's been part of me. And I know I can feel it inside of me when I haven't run. So like, I'll be like, oh, I need to go. Like I'm getting a little cranky. I should get out of here <laughs> or go do a class or just take a walk or do something or go play tennis. But yeah, so I do think it's, I think it's important. Whatever your outlet is, I've been trying to get into meditation, but sometimes my meditation is listening to music running. So yeah, I think whatever your secret or your guilty pleasure is to figure that out and do it for you. I like the way that you also tie the self-care and wellness into having the right support system. So someone who also recognizes how important that is for you and not just encourages you, but gives you the support that you need to build it in to your routine. Um, I want to talk a little bit about conferences. One of the things we hear a lot is that continuous growth or continuing to refine curiosities and other things is a really important trait for leaders. And as the organizer of a lot of conferences industry-wide, why do you think they're so important for people at all levels of their career to attend conferences? Oh, I think there's so many different reasons. I think one, it's what I always go back to, and it's the community. And it's like really being part of the community and feel having those that have the path, especially a community like hospitality and design everyone's so passionate about what they do. They love what they do. They, many of them have been doing it for a while or, or for those just starting out too, like you, it's going to be hopefully your career. So I think just seeing and being part of that community, I think is number one. I think number two, it's like we relationship building and networking. If you want to meet people, like the best way to do it is at a conference and, and to, you never know who you're going to meet, which is the best part, right? right. I, and look, they can be super overwhelming. I'm not not gonna say that they're you have to you have to work at conference, right? You have to like be open to mingling and saying hi and introducing yourself and waiting after a panel to say hi to the speaker. But if you do that, even if you meet one person that like can help you or you learn something from or might be your bestie forever, like 
you never know. I've met some of my best friends in this industry in at conferences. And those are relationships that have helped me personally and business-wise in my entire, my entire career. And then the last part I think is education, right? We, we put on conferences, we spend so much time thinking about who's going to speak, what they're going to speak at, what the presentation is going to be, what the questions are, how can we push it? How, how can we ask different things? So I think that is education. Like again, that one nugget, you never know what it's going to be. My greatest thing is watching people take notes, right? When I'm speaking or moderating, because then I know that they're taking something away. And I always ask our speakers to do that. Say one, give them, don't give them all your secrets, but give them something, give them like something that they can take away from today. And, and that will be a successful panel. I love that. The actionable takeaway is so important. Like you said, even if it's just one thing that you can go home and implement in your business, think about in your personal life, whatever it is that somebody really hones in on one. So I think that's a, a great reflection and the importance of conferences. I agree with you. There are just so many advantages at regardless of where you are in your career. I want to turn to another content that's very similar to this idea of continuous growth. And I want to ask you, about what you would tell 21-year-old Stacy, And I love this question because I think we're all works in progress, but reflection is a really important part of growth. So as you look back today, you're probably getting ready to graduate from Northwestern, maybe you already have. What do you tell 21-year-old Stacy by either something you wish you knew then or how things play out for you? Yeah, I think, I think two things. I talked about the power of no, but I do think Say yes to it all, right? Try everything, do everything, learn everything, and don't take that for granted, right? Because time goes really fast. And before you know it, you'll have two decades in a career that you never knew you could have. But I do think just saying yes and being open to that. And then the other thing is I have it on my desk, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I think we're not, at least I say this to my team, we're not curing cancer. It's going to be good. Let's just like work hard be it's okay to fail it's okay to try new things it's okay to push the boundaries but we're gonna get it done it's it's gonna happen it might be a little rocky getting there but we're gonna get done and we're gonna throw an amazing event we're gonna produce an amazing magazine like it's all gonna happen but it's just keep it simple stupid there's bigger things in life to worry about and i think that's easier said than done at my age versus the 21 year old self but something that i really have tried to tell my team and tell myself, tell my kids <laughs> that it's a good life. That's great advice. I love that. And then as we wrap up, keeping in mind the motto of DEI advisors to empower personal success, is there a final thought that you have or a final piece of advice that you want to make sure to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think it's also believe again, like I went to my kid's school last night for open house and wait, I have to find this photo because it's the cutest thing. And he said on his, like, it says like Porter, welcome to, welcome to third grade. And then he, he says, my mantra, you can do big things, just take big risks. And I was like, oh my God, if an eight year old can do that, then, then that's something that I should take as well. So I think that's my final thought. That's incredible. Stacey, I'm not 100% sure whether I am frozen on screen and whether you can see it. I think you can still hear me because you're responding so to our audience. If, it, if there is a freeze, I apologize for that. Um, but wanted to take a minute and just say thank you so much for sharing all of your 
path to leadership, some of the insights that you have learned along the way. So incredibly grateful for your leadership in the industry and some of the really important lessons that you have taught me and a lot of the collaboration that we have had. So thank you very much for supporting DEI Advisors today. Thank you so much for having me. It was kind of fun. <laughs> and it's, as I said, it's an honor. So thank you. Thank you. And to our audience who has tuned in, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. We hope you'll go over to DEIadvisors.org and hear from the many industry leaders who have likewise shared their journeys, their paths to leadership. And you, of course, can also stream us on your favorite streaming channels. Stacey, a phrase that uh, as we continue to develop skills, I never thought I would hear myself say. So <laughs> thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you, Rachel.